0: Welcome to the Abbott Loop Community Church Podcast. Enjoy this message from Josh Tanner man, I'm so excited about this message i've like Gretchen said, this has just been something that's been big on my heart, and I know it's been on the hearts of many leaders around the world and and even in our own church and uh, it has such has such huge implications so we're talking about the empowerment of women, and what it looks like. And so, you know, we're leading at this church. This church is 57 years old. We're going on 58 here pretty soon. And there's been a lot of generations of leadership. And leading at this church has been one of the greatest honors of my whole life. And the the leaders that have led here have absolute integrity throughout all the years. And here's the thing, and this is one of the things that the pastors that have gone before me have taught me. And they said, like, Josh, you've got to lead with integrity. Leadership is all about integrity. And for them, integrity was following the way they saw the Word of God. And for me, integrity is following the way that I see the Word of God. And so um, uh, the endorsement from our leaders passed is like, listen, you need to lead with integrity. And so that's what we're doing right now It's just saying, listen, this is what we see in the Bible. It's what we feel with conviction is what God's calling us into. And um, I'm just asking you as we j- dive into this, 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 this message, this series, is that you just you just keep an open heart, an open mind, and at the very end, as we just as we just process through this, maybe we don't end up in agreement. we might not end up there. I mean, I really hope we do because I'm really hoping you see what I see because the, what the, the big picture which we 're going to talk about today it's so huge, the implications are so radical and they're so awesome is that is that I hope that that you see it the way I see it. But even if we don't, the, 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 one of the most powerful things that can happen in the kingdom is unity. And you know what you don't need to have unity is agreement. You need the love of God. You need the spirit of God. You need the spirit of what God's in, doing inside of each one of us to bind us all together in love. Isn't that awesome? So I'm not asking you to be in agreement with me. I'm trying to get you in agreement with me. But I don't know that that's going to happen, and that's okay, because we can stay in unity and we can keep loving each other and we can keep moving forward, and maybe we're just going to get you to think about some things in a little bit different way and open your mind. Now, you might be in all kinds of different categories. You might have come from some places where you really feel like you know what you believe about this, and you're like, no, there's, you know, women are supposed to have their role and their place, and and, and I believe the Bible says that, and they're supposed to do these things and not these other things, and um, you might be in that spot. I'm asking you if you're in that spot, hey, just just take a second. Breathe with me. And and let's consider, just just try to hear where we're at. You might be in a spot where you're like, well, I'm already with you, Pastor. We already want to see the empowerment of women, but I don't really know exactly why I believe what I believe, which is a lot of times where we're at. So that's an okay place to be in. So we're going to help lay a framework and a foundation so you can really understand what the Bible's teaching about this subject. And you might be in another place where you're like, I never even thought about this. (laughs) <laughs> You're like, what are you talking about? Okay, that's okay too. I remember feeling that way going like, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> and, and that's okay too. What we're gonna do is we're just gonna kind of move along here and, and this is what I'm asking you to do. This is a biblical principle that I wanna lay for you before we start digging into this subject because how many of you know uh, this subject can get heated? So here's a principle that I do in my life and I've been doing this for a long, long, long time. And the Lord spoke this to me uh, so strongly, and I've been living my life this way, As he said, Josh, you need to discover the wheat of my will. And that means that you have to put your life on the threshing floor. I, I don't even know what threshing floor is. So I started learning about threshing floors. And you know, threshing floor is this cool thing that they, they, they would build this little wall and they throw all the wheat in there and it has these hard shells on them that they call the chaff. And then they bring in a sledge and donkeys and sometimes they just let their kids run around in there and play on it. And they run it around, heavy stuff, until it just breaks up all the chaff that's around the wheat. And then it, 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 it creates this big, huge mess in there. And then they take what they call a winnowing fork and they dig into it and they throw it up in the air. And when the wind's blowing, it blows all the chaff out and the wheat is heavy, so it falls down and it stays inside the threshing floor. Man, I want the wheat of God's will. So what I'm asking you to do is this, is say, Lord, I might think I know what I believe about this, and, and, and you might you know, be all over the map or all the categories I'm talking about, but let's, let's put it all in the threshing floor. Let's just throw it all in there. And let's let God just smash it all up and let's trust him that if we throw it up in the air, the Holy Spirit's gonna blow away the things that we don't want in our life. We don't want that, do we? And the weed of God's will is gonna fall down. You might not fully trust me. I hope you do. But you should trust the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is not gonna blow away things (laughs) that shouldn't be blown away. He's pretty awesome. He's God. He's pretty smart. And so let's trust the Holy Spirit that as we dig into the word, as we dive in, that he's going to let the wheat of his will fall to the ground. And that's what we want. But what we have to do is not presuppose we already know it all. Say, uh uh-oh. God gives grace to the humble so if you want the empowerment and the grace of God, you put all your theology, all your stuff, even if you've hammered it over a thousand times, you throw it in there in the threshing floor and you say, God, we just smash it all up, and I want the weed of your will to come out the other side. And you trust him to do that because he's good and he will do that. Amen? All right. So that's kind of the framework. And I just want I want us to just kind of like take a deep breath here. It's gonna be okay. We're just studying the Bible. Nobody's gonna pop. Nobody's going to dissolve today, all right? We're going to make it. We're just going to study the Bible, and we're going to dive in, and we're going to see what we believe the Scripture says. And this is what I want to make a promise to you. As you stay in this series with us, we are not going to skirt around these issues. We're not going to like, oh, just explain stuff away and go like, oh, no, I mean, we're just going to pretend like that's not in the Bible. Well, that wasn't for today, or that isn't blah, 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 whatever. We're, we're not going to go well The fruit of these experiences are so awesome that we just have to, we know, we just can't make sense of that, and we're just going to forget it's in there. We're not going to dance around it. We're not going to pretend like it's not there. We're going to dive right into all these subjects. Every single hard passage there is about this, we're going to get right in the middle of them all because we believe very strongly that when you apply solid biblical hermeneutics, which is the way you study the scripture with integrity, okay? So how you do that, when you apply those principles consistently, we really believe you're going to see what we see, all right? Is that the full empowerment of women is the direction that God is leading his church. All right, so now, I want you to look at this image. <clears throat> Isn't this cool? I mean, it's sad and cool at the same time so you see this little girl in here and she's inside a glass the, the guy that wrote this book it's called powerful and free confronting the grass the <laughs> grass ceiling the glass ceiling for women in the church this guy's name is danny silk anybody come here for the keep your love on conference okay he's a phenomenal teacher i think this is his granddaughter who's in this photo and so i really want to encourage you guys to get his book we're going to have him in the back next week for sale uh and we asked him for permission to use this image in this book because I just thought he captured it so well. Like, this just, this just speaks the heart of what, what we see and what I really want to talk about today. Is, you know, this little girl, see how she's in a super, su- superhero costume? See, there's something inside of every human being that says, God, you made me for something great. Like, there's something special inside me. And, and we even tell our kids this. You can do anything. You're going to be amazing. And then for our women, and I want you to think about this, our little girls, we put this glass over them and we say, oh, but accept, you know, these couple things. All right. Now, you might not believe me, but I'm going to read, you're like, oh, this really isn't an issue, Pastor. Maybe you're like, haven't seen or heard some of the things that are really out there, but I'm going to read for you a couple quotes from some founding fathers in Christianity. And please, nobody throw anything, okay? Take it easy. (laughs) (laughs) This is from the new book that Mark Drake, one of the teachers on our team, wrote. It's called The New Covenant Role of Women in Leadership. How the difficult verses about women... Make Perfect Sense by Mark Drake. We're going to give a couple copies away today. We're going to give some more away at the four PM session when you come. When you come, Amen. <clears throat> uh, he wrote this this whole book really for this series and for Abbott Loop. Of course, he, it's been on his heart to have this out, you know, uh, you know, around the world, but. He's going to sell it to all of us, all of you, for only $10 a copy. That's a pretty ripping deal. So I encourage you to get this book. It's phenomenal. It's a really great teaching. And the front side of this is like, is there really a problem? Okay, let's see. Is there really a problem? What have people said about women? Here's here's early Jewish prayer that was prayed all the time. by. This is a huge cultural movement in the Jewish, first century Jewish uh, nation. Praise to God that he has not created me a Gentile, a woman, or a hog. is the framework of the Jewish believers. Because you have to understand, cultural context is huge when we're diving into this topic. You've got to understand, what was Jesus combating when, when Gretchen preaches about Jesus changed everything? This is the stuff they were praying all the time. When you see the way they... Tra- treated women I mean it's like this is the stuff that they were ingraining in themselves all the time is that women you know are just junk even the most virtuous woman is a witch (laughs) I just can hardly even say that out loud (laughs) this reminds me of like a really bad uh she's a witch burn her (laughs) wood floats very small rocks (laughs) all right That was also from first century Jewish culture. God, it was in the oral law. Are you kidding me? This is why Jesus went after all these Pharisees and said, the junk you guys are making up and talking isn't even the law. It's just stuff you're making up. That's why he got so mad at them, because they're saying stuff like that. She's a witch. The woman is inferior to man in every way. Josephus. Uh Uh-oh. Oh my gosh. Uh, it's better that the words of the law should be burned than they should be given to a woman. Josephus again. Tertullian. This guy's a major founding father in Christianity, by the way, whom when I went to Bible college got praised all the time. All right. I'm, I'm getting angry. Okay, I'm okay. <laughs> because, you were, uh, uh, because of you, we are punished by death. Because of you, woman, the Son of God had to die. All right, so some of the framework of theology that you've been taught and that's been brought down and the commentaries and stuff like that, these are the guys that help set the framework for that. So you read your study Bibles, you start thinking you know what the Bible's really saying. These hyper-misogynists are the ones that created this stuff. All right, the Word of God is true. The Word of God is real. What people say about it is different, and that's what we're talking about. Origin, another major major founding father. Men should not listen to a woman even if she says admirable things or if she says saintly things. They are of little consequence since they came from the mouth of a woman. Please don't throw anything at me. I'm just reading the book. (laughs) By herself, this is Augustine. By herself, a woman is not the image of God. The man, on the other hand, alone is the image of God. We should look upon the female state as if it were being a deformity. (laughs) Some pretty nice looking deformity I married. (laughs) This is messed up, man. Okay, this is how they frame their theology. You just got to keep that in mind. Uh, uh, For a man to go to a woman for advice is like going to the lowest kind of animal to seek advice. I don't even know how to say this guy's name. Christos Nomstom. Somebody else knows how to say it right. All right, I'm going to read you one more. Yeah, maybe, yeah, one more. So a lot of you guys like the King James Bible. I'm about to ruin you forever. Sorry. To make women learned... And to make a fox tame work out to the same end. Educating a woman or a fox is simply makes them more cunning. King James was a massive misogynist, if you didn't know. And so were so many of the other folks that are out there. And they go on and on and on. Even worse things than what I read you today because I would just get too mad. Um, If you want to read one that will get you really mad, a book, it's called The Ten Lies the Church Tells Women by Lee Grady. I don't really usually recommend that book because he pushes on this. He's kind of mad and angry when he writes. I kind of like that personally, but it's really not the most balanced, you know, he'll get you angry about it all, you know. Um, But he makes really good points. It's really good. Is that this is a big deal. Church, this is a big, important thing for us to really just jump into and understand it. So that's what I want us to do. I want us to just stay in the big picture today. And I know you're gonna say, Pastor, what about all these little details and these little things? And what about what Paul said here? And what about he said there? And we're gonna get to that, all right? So I'm asking you today to just let your guard down, just kinda just relax a little bit, and I promise we're gonna get to those, and if you come to the 4 p.m. sessions, you can ask any question you want. A big portion of those sessions. We're gonna have teaching, and then it's Q and A. You get to ask Pastor Rick anything you want. The guy has an answer for everything. (laughs) No. (laughs) He will help answer to the best of his ability any question you have, but we feel like we have some really good answers for you. We're pretty confident that we're gonna be able to help you along, okay? So you get to ask those hard questions. We don't wanna skirt around them, okay? So 4 p.m., make it out here. And then uh, uh, one of the things is that, you know, you just put that stuff on the shelf, say, okay, we're gonna to get to that, all right? and 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 let's open up. Let's get this on the threshing floor. So Rick Benjamin said this to me, he passed the church for 20 years. He's in leadership for over 30 years here at this church, teaching and Bible school and all kinds of stuff. He said, uh, you know, for his 30 years of leadership and teaching the Bible, probably no topic has gotten more heated and passionate than the issue of women in leadership. Wow, that's a big statement. Why is that? In Mark Drake's book, This New Covenant, uh, Role of New Covenant, or Women in New Covenant Leadership, here, he says that um, in chapter two, says, just get a group of church leaders into the room and suggest that we ought to put more women in leadership positions in our churches Then step back and watch it all fun. Like, see what happens. Like, it's in a, I think it's in this chapter called Let's Get Ready to Rumble, you know, it's like, there's a lot of passionate things that get built up and said, you know, and feelings that come about when we're talking about this topic. And, And I just started to think, why? Okay, why? Why do we get so passionate about this? And I think I'm going to help you see a few things and hopefully unravel some stuff. And let's de-escalate this issue. Let's deflate some of this pressure. Here's one of the things I want to tell you right now. Is that nowhere in the Bible, there's no space, the entire Bible, from A to Z, Genesis, Revelation, that there's ever a place where it refers to women in leadership and sin. Just think about this for a second. Not one place, and I call these sin block texts. I don't even know if that's like a theological term. It's what I like to call them. Because wherever you read about sin, it always goes in this like block text where they start talking about sin and there's like, and this is sin, and then that's sin, and this is sin, and don't do this, and don't do that. And then they breathe and they move on, especially the Apostle Paul. He loves to do it that way. And it's in this big block. And sometimes it's just burnt right in the middle of these other weird places, you know. And he goes on and they're like, this is what sin is. And you know what? Never, not one time, is the issue of women in leadership, preaching, leading, in any context ever referred in any of those sin block texts. Did you know that? Not in one place. Why do we treat this like it's sin? Why? Do we elevate this like, oh, man, if you empower women, you're in sin? What? Now, now we might disagree whether we should or not. Okay, now, but let's de-escalate this thing. There is no place here that it says it's sin. Let's read one of the spots. I just want you to see this really quick. uh, Galatians, chapter 5, Genesis. We're going to get to Genesis, but not yet. Galatians, chapter 5, Verse 19. This is one of the spaces where Paul starts to define what sin is. He says the act of the sinful nature is obvious. It's obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft. She's a witch. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I don't know what those are. And warn. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom. Did you hear anything about women in leadership? No. Who said yeah? No. <laughs> that was agreement, yeah. I was like, yeah, I didn't hear anything. I heard you. No, it's not in there. <laughs> but what, let's think about this. Let's think about this. Come on, watch this but how do we treat one another when we talk about this issue? Come on, how do you, how do we, so we get all fired up and mad, so how do we treat each other when we talk about this issue? Or how have we treated women? How have men and leaders treated women in the past? Maybe we can find a few things in here that are in the sin block text. Maybe the way we've talked about it is like hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy. Come on, that is sin. Oh man. You see how big of a deal this is? The way we live matters. How we treat people matters. God says, listen, you need to love people like you love yourself. If love is the chief thing, the cornerstone of our lifestyle, the building block of our lives, And then we just say, well, because I'm so mad that you're empowering a woman, and I'm going to just do jealousy, envy, rage, hatred. That gives me an excuse to walk in sin. Okay, we've got this backwards. There's a mess going on here that we need to straighten out. And so for us, for us, who can we control? Ourselves, us. So we're going to look, okay, one, just deflate this. Ladies, it's not sin if you're in leadership. Whether people think you should be or not, there's nothing in the Bible that ever says it's sin. All right, and we're gonna go into some of these places that sound like there might be some restrictions or there should be. We don't believe that's what the Bible's really saying, but we're gonna go after those spaces to help create some more confidence and a platform for you to be all that God made you to be. And men, that we would not fall into this trap of excusing our sinful behavior, the way we treat people, treat women, because we think, "Oh, well, you just can't do that, so we're going to get angry, mad, rage, all this stuff. Come on. Okay, so we can see what sin is really. In fact, these little things in here are in kind of all the other areas in sin block texts. okay, so you're going to see it. That's really sin. Got it out. All right, let's stay big picture. let's stay big picture. Okay we're going. <laughs> we're going to stay up in the high levels here. I would think about the implications if? If we do not empower women, what happens? So forget about all the details. Let's just think about what ifs. If we don't empower women, do you know that women make up approximately 60% of the body of Christ throughout world history, not just right now? They've statistically served more, given more, done more. (laughs) Even on ratios of like, how involved are women in church versus men? So there's 60%, plus they're even more engaged. I'm not trying to shame anyone. I'm just saying, listen, 60%. Now, when you think about this, if you're going to go play baseball, do you only bring 40% of your bat? (laughs) You're like, I can bunt. That's it. You got 40%. You're going to go play football. You're taking your football team. Uh, I'm only taking my offense. I don't need the kicker. I don't need the punter. I'm just taking the offense. That's all I'm doing. Uh, Who cares about special teams defense? See, I just only need 40%. I I want you to think about this. Uh, Here's a photo. You're going to war. You're only going to take 40% of your bullets, 40% of your resources, 40% of your Army or people? (laughs) You can't say that out loud. Okay. You said if you're Obama, you do. You can't say that. (laughs) I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I heard that. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) No, let's not go down that road. Stay with me. Stay with me. This is an example about the Bible right now. Slip into politics. We're going to die here. We're never going to come back. Okay, you're gonna take only 40%? Does this make sense? Now I want you to think about this. Who wants you to take only 40% of your army to the battlefield? The enemy! Who wants you to only take a portion of your resources? The enemy does. This guy. (laughs) He wants you to take. This is business devil, all right? This is when he's at work, and this is when he goes to the gym, all right? This guy wants you to only take 40%. Big picture now. We're not talking about details. Just got to stay in the sky here. This guy, let's go back to business. Let's go back to business devil. Look at him. He wants to recruit you. He wants to recruit you. This guy's got an agenda. This is not just a fictional character about like, well, there's this evil force out there that doesn't like you. This is a created being. The Bible talks about him. God created him. His name was Lucifer. And he rebelled. And he convinced a third of the angels to rebel with him. And they were swept out of heaven. And there's a war going on. And he tried to steal dominion from you. In fact, he did for a time. And we're going to read about it in the fall. And he jacked up everything. In fact, Jesus said he's the father of all lies. He's the origin of sin. This dude's got a plan for your life. You know how he wants to get you? is here in between your ears. He wants you thinking something. He wants you to believe that it's God's best for you to only bring 40% of your army. And that you're obeying him by doing that. Just stay with me in the big picture. That makes no sense. What makes perfect sense to this guy? Makes no sense for the army. Okay, you with me still? Not sin. Can't be. Otherwise, it'd be defined somewhere. And there's an agenda. And this guy. (laughs) You might want to shave your mustache if you're growing like that now. I don't know. It's like. You know, he hates you. He does. And guess what? He hates us all and he hates the church, but you know he hates the most? Women. He does. Actually, the devil hates women more than everybody else. Maybe he hates God more, but in the Bible it tells us, in Genesis, that he actually hates women. The most, And here we go, Genesis chapter three, verse 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you've done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you'll eat the dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Okay, wait a second. Enmity, you know, enmity in the Bible, worst kind of hate there is. There's, it's the farthest degree of hatred. Between the devil and the woman and her offspring. You know who her offspring is? Jesus. And beyond that, who else? The church. The children of God. Okay, so let's just pause for a second. The devil hates women. The devil wins when he takes out over half the army. We got to let that soak in a little bit. It's a big deal. This crazy passage in uh, Revelation chapter 12. It says, There's this great and wondrous sign that appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and crowned with 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain, and she was about to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his head. I dream like this all the time. His tail swept a third of the stars in the sky. Okay and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth, that he might devour her child the moment she was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule the nations with an iron scepter. Who do you think that is? Jesus. Does this sound a little bit like what was just said in Genesis? She gave birth to a son. Okay, Uh, the woman fled into the desert, uh, a place prepared for her by God that she might be taken care of. All right, then there's this great battle, and the dragon was hurled down and this ancient serpent called the devil, Satan, who leads the whole world astray, is what chapter, verse 9 says. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now have come salvation and the power of the kingdom of God and authority of his Christ. Okay, so we're, we're talking about Jesus here. This Jesus is born into the world for the accuser of the brothers who accuses them before God day and night has been hurled down. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink back from death. Therefore rejoice you heavens and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea because the devil has gone down to you. is filled with fury because he knows his time is short. So I want us to think about this. The devil's time is short. When the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman, devil hates the woman, pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child, and the woman was given wings and, uh, so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the desert where she would be taken care of. But the earth, uh, then the, the thing it says about the dragon tries to swallow her up. Okay, verse 17, I want you to see this one. It's just like this real Mr. Gold kind of communication here. Basically, I skipped it because I don't know what it means. Okay, verse 17. And the dragon was angry at the woman. And he declared war against the rest of her children and all who keep God's commandments and maintain their testimony for Jesus. You will crush his head. He will strike your heel. There will be enmity between you and the woman. This is a war. And listen, think about this, just check this out. The devil knows his time is short. When is Jesus coming back? Anybody know? It wasn't 2012 like the truck said outside. (laughs) Bible says this, we say soon, oh soon, soon. Who the heck knows when soon is? There's only one real definition. He says, you'll see the signs, and we've seen signs cycling and cycling. We know we're getting closer because every day you get closer. (laughs) That guy's a genius. I cannot believe it. I just walked in here. He's a genius. (laughs) It says when the full number of Gentiles, this is really the only definitive number we know of, When the full measure of Gentiles comes in, then the Jews come in, then the return comes. Then we kind of know some facts and pieces about some stuff. We know some signs of the times that we start looking at that let us know like, oh my goodness, we're getting close. Yep, every day. Who knows what that number is? The Father, Jesus even goes, why are you guys asking me? Only my dad knows the answer to that question. Well, how do you, if your time is short and it's about a full number coming in, how do you extend your time? Slow down the army. Cut the army by 60%. That gives the devil more time. You know he knows where he's going. And they, it's the worst place in the lake of fire if you were him, you wouldn't want to go there either. Even being out of the presence of God and in, and in here, like, you know, wherever the heck he is, you know, fourth dimension stuff. That's better than the lake of fire. And he's doing everything he can do to slow you down. Slow us all down. So imagine this. He gets you to believe that... you. of the army is, eh, this degraded deformity, an accident. Uh, 60% is just to be bossed around. So that, you see how that, (laughs) oh, ladies, don't hurt me. I'm on your side. Okay, here we go. (laughs) Listen, just wants to extend the time because he knows he's, he knows that he has lost. He's just trying to get more time. So let's look here. We're gonna get down to the million dollar question here in a second. Million dollar question. But let's look at the curse of the woman. This is the key to this whole thing as well. So woman was cursed, and this is part of the framework in our mindsets of how some of these guys ended up where they're at, and, if, and it influences our culture today. It really does. Genesis 3.16. The woman... Uh, to the woman, he said, I will greatly increase your childbearing, pain and childbearing. Yay. All oh, the ladies are like, that's so great. How many, how many you ladies here, you love that? That's just your favorite part about the curse. What a blessing. How many feel like that's God's ideal for your life? <laughs> I'm going somewhere here. Don't hate me. With pain, you will give birth to children. (laughs) Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Oh, that's my, no, that's my favorite part. Oh, I thought the childbearing thing was my favorite. No, 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 no. That's my favorite. Oh, I just love it when he's my master. (laughs) Oh, God, thanks. Oh, Oh, thanks for that. Okay, this is a curse. (laughs) Ladies, live in the dream? Curse, punishment for sin. Is punishment for sin God's ideal? No. Okay, so if this is not God's ideal, so God's ideal is not the consequences for the sin, the fall. They call it paradise, Paradise lost. Fall is like, it was good up here, bad down there. (laughs) This is not the ideal framework for how we should be treating one another. Men dominating women. Did it happen? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, it did. But we have to ask ourselves, where do we want to live? Do we want to live in Genesis 3, under the curse, or do we want to live in Genesis 2, in paradise? So what was in paradise? What was in paradise? We look here, is, is that we see that God created men and women in his own image. Genesis 2, the Lord God made woman from the rib, oh, Am I right? No, Genesis 1, 28. I added this between services. I want to add this here. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish, the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals of the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. Hear the plural. In the image of God, he created them male and female he created them. And God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it and reign over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. My favorite one's to take dominion over. Just kidding, I don't even do that, that's rude. I just love those little critters, they're so cute. Put them in cages. All right. (laughs) It's my favorite place. Okay. Focus, focus. (laughs) Do you see how he created them equal? There was no hierarchy in the garden. If there was a hierarchy, why did one get created in the fall? The curse was the hierarchy. So that means that's something that was created. It was new. We hear this language. It's like, you guys are both beautiful. You're both made, man and woman, in my image. You're together. Now, see, here's where we go wrong. We start to make some mistakes here when we start reading the Bible. And we go back and we look at um, in Genesis where it talks about how woman was pulled out of the rib of man. All right, so he puts woman to sleep, uh, man to sleep, okay? And and he has actually man in the garden. He's like, Look, I want you to do all this stuff, and, and, and I want you to go around. I want you to name all these animals. And, and, and it says there was never a suit, like a, a, a suitor, suitable for him, a helpmeet suitable for him. It, you couldn't find it. And so he puts man to sleep, and he creates woman. So you know what? that we as human beings, we need to know what we don't have because we have a free will. And God wants us to experience that. So mankind needed to know what it was like to be alone without companionship. Relationship is so crucial and important in God's ecosystem. He wants us all to experience it. That's why there's billions of us for him and for us. And so he wanted man to experience loneliness and thank God he didn't find a suitor. Because we'd all be one thing and we'd all have like, A giraffe or something weird. I mean, I don't know what it would be. It's so weird. Like, hey, baby, what's going on? Instead, he does this cool thing, and he draws out of the woman. It says this. He goes in verse 23. The man said, this is my bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she is taken out of man. This is what I believe about this, is that man, Adam, was actually both natures of God. And then when he pulled he pulled something out of Adam and it was the feminine nature, the side of God's perfect image. He actually pulled it out and it was no longer in Adam and now was represented in another human being, Eve. How amazing is that? And so he drew them out and that's he created them in his image. Together as we do relationship together, we begin to manifest the glory of God. Isn't that cool? It's not a lesser thing. See, this other language is like, when we start thinking about this, like in the, the context of the fall, we think women were made from Adam's belly button lint or something. <laughs> it's a part of the image of God, equal parts, not separate, not lesser, not lower, not, well, my man, he needs a servant to run around. I mean, he needs a maid, so I'm making him a helper someone to do all his dirty laundry. Cook him meals when he comes home. Do you know that word helper? You know what that means? You know that that same word helper is the same word for the Holy Spirit? That'll get you thinking. You know that the woman is the, in the image of God so similar to the image of the Holy Spirit? What do they call the Holy Spirit? The comforter. Ooh, a healer. Come on. Man, the Holy Spirit is the teacher. Doggone it. Instructor. It's a nurturer. So here's the big question. It's what did the Father make us for? What did he create us for? What did Jesus die for? What is the Holy Spirit empowering today? Look at this in Galatians chapter three, verse 26. You are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ, for you all were baptized into Christ. Having clothed yourself with Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. For you belong to Christ and you are Abraham's seed and the heirs according to the promise. So when Jesus came, he changed everything. When Jesus came, he changed everything. He, he broke that curse. So that, so that we could experience the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit came and dwelt and is poured out on all flesh, men and women alike, Joel says. All flesh, all of us. No male nor a female. That doesn't matter anymore. See, that curse, which was not good, we're not trying to live up to that standard like everybody get in your roles and live up to that curse standard. That's not God's best for you. Let's go to paradise. Let's go to heaven. Let's live, bring heaven like Pastor Gretchen's saying. Let's grab heaven and bring it down to earth and let's start living some of that. Pastor Mark is gonna preach this ridiculous message. It's in his book. It's called uh, Pentecost Women's Liberation Day. It's going to blow your mind. You're going to love it. And we're going to talk about it in the 4 p.m. session. It's going to be good. Oh, man. All right, I'm going to pray. We want to see God do something radical here. Father, in Jesus' name, we're just believing you're going to change us. You're going to renew our minds, renew our strength. God, I'm praying for unity in this church, liberation. I want to see men and women alike fully empowered and embraced. God, not one better than the other but an equal value to one another. Just building your kingdom. Launch your army into its destiny. God, will you release your army into the world? God, we want to change the world for you. And the way we love each other, God, I pray people will talk about it everywhere because of the way we love each other. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this message, please connect with us at abbotloop.org and like us on Facebook. Services in Anchorage, Alaska are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m.,